Wrestling fans, are you ready? Yes! 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 For the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world. Uh, let's get ready to rumble! I am the voice of the voiceless. Do I have everybody's attention now? Sorry about your damn luck. I deserve one more match. It's gonna be the end of the world as you know it. Welcome back, folks, to WrestleRant Radio for May 27, 2014. I'm your host with the most. Bleacher Report featured columnist Graham Jessen Matthews. Hope you guys had a very enjoyable Memorial Day. I know I did. But uh, that being said, May 27th marks my four-year anniversary with Bleacher Report. So just want to get it off right now. Thank you very, very much for all the support over the years. It is very much appreciated. Um, it's hard to believe it's been four years, to be quite honest with you. It feels like just yesterday I submitted my application to the site. Now, four years later, I probably wouldn't even be doing this show. Um, but that being said, I wouldn't have been able to do a lot of things. So I thank Bleach Report for the opportunity and all that kind of great stuff. I did put my sample work, the work of my uh, that I submitted in the initial email to Bleach Report to write for them, Actually, in uh, the initial email that I sent them with the sample of my work, I put that up on my Facebook page today. So if you like the Facebook page, you got a first look at it. If you don't like the Facebook page, go out and check it out. Um, it's pretty cool, actually. I just found it the other day. I thought it was pretty interesting. But we do have a lot to talk about here today for May 27, 2014. A lot to talk about in the world of wrestling from last night's edition of Monday Night Raw to NXT TakeOver being this Thursday, Payback being this Sunday, live from Chicago, Impact Wrestling, ROH, War of the Worlds, actually. Um, I, that's the first time I've actually seen an ROH slash New Japan Pro Wrestling show. I was able to check out that last week, so I'll be giving my in-depth thoughts on that. But uh, yeah, a lot to talk about this week. Might as well kick it off with the Raw review for last night, May 26, 2014, live from Nashville, Tennessee. Not the greatest crowd, but um, there wasn't a lot to get excited about in the latter half of the show, but we will be breaking it down right now. The initial opening segment of this show saw the authority come out, pretty much address Daniel Bryan, the status of the WWE World Heavyweight Championship, and what else was to come later in the show with the contract signing with the Shield and Evolution, all that kind of stuff. So it was a pretty standard segment until they called out Brad Maddox, and thankfully they kind of pull, they kind of filled in the plot holes here by talking about how Brad Maddox allowed the Shield to be on commentary last week when they shouldn't have been. And uh, Brad Maddox, for one thing, hasn't been on Raw at all, basically, in the last number of months. I mean, he initially became the Raw general manager in July of 2013, so almost 11, almost 10, 11 months ago, um, almost a year ago, Brad Maddox was first named the Raw General Manager, and I was fine with it, if only because Vicky Guerrero had been the GM of Raw for a quite a while, and she had been in that position so many times in the past, and uh, she eventually moved back over to SmackDown as the GM over there, but um, I don't know, the whole Vicky Guerrero as General Manager, in my opinion, that whole shtick has really grown tiresome. That's merely my opinion. But nevertheless, back on to Brad Maddox. I mean, this guy's been GM. He, he did some stuff early on, like last summer when he first got named the Raw GM. He appeared on television here and there for the most part, usually in a regular role. But when the authority became regular on-air characters, Triple H and Stephanie McMahon uh, 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 respectively, 
then he had no power, basically, because everything they did could overrule what Brad Maddox put into place. So he really served no purpose on the show at all, and that's why he was basically shunned out, so to speak, in the months that followed. Um, in the latter half of the year and earlier this year, I know he was in the Honor of the Giant Memorial Battle Royal. He named himself a competitor in that and was, I think, the first one thrown out of the matchup, which was hilarious. But, um, yeah, he, he's just served no purpose in the last year or so that it really does not make sense to have Raw general managers anymore, or for SmackDown for that matter. I mean, I loved it. I mean, I've only been a fan since 08, so I, of course, don't know the half of it. Well, I do know the half of it. I just wasn't a fan for it. But, um, you know, back in even 08 and 09, GMs used to mean something. When William, when William Regal was GM, I know I'm being biased because he's one of my favorite wrestlers, but um, he was a great GM during his stint. We had Mike Adamley. I know it was terrible, but that was a memorable reign ne- nevertheless. Um, we had Stephanie McMahon and Shane for a while. We had Vicky, and we had the whole guest host shit, and that's kind of when it took a turn for the worse. Um, we had Bret Hart as GM for a while. So we've had a number of GMs over the years, for better or for worse. John Laurinaitis comes to mind. But it really just jumped the shark when they put in Vicky Guerrero again as the GM, and then Brad Maddox, who did nothing. But with Vince McMahon and, and Triple H and Stephanie around, and, and Kane, who was the director of operations for a while, they really serve no purpose. So there's really no point in having a GM around. So, um... If they name a new GM, is beyond me. I'm not really sure. And if they do, I don't really care. Maybe it's a Ric Flair. Maybe it's a Hulk Hogan. I, maybe it's a Sting. I know there were rumors of that a number of months ago. I don't see that happening, to be quite honest with you. But um, at the, in 2014, at this point, it, GMs don't really serve a purpose. So I was excited to see Brad Maddox fired. Michael Cole pointed out that he was fired as general manager of Raw, not necessarily from the WWE as a whole. So it's quite possible that we could see Brad Maddox go back to being an in-ring wrestler, which was what he was before he became an administrative assistant assistant to Vicky Guerrero early last year. He can go back to being a referee, a commentator. I know he was a commentator for a while on NXT and main event. So in any role that they have him in, I'm, I'm sure he'll be sticking around, but... As long as he's not Raw General Manager anymore, that's fine with me. So that was a solid segment to kick off the show. We had Cesaro and Rob Van Dam in a good match, in my opinion. Their last two matches were okay. This was the best of the three up to this point. So they had a good matchup. Cesaro goes over. Bad News Barrett on commentary. He did pretty well. Uh, Barrett has always been a great mic worker, so putting him on commentary was a no-brainer. So that was entertaining to listen to. So the match was good. Cesaro goes over. Sheamus comes down to brawl with Cesaro a little bit. Before we go to commercial. So um, good matchup from Cesaro and RVD. Like I said before. But the main thing that I pointed out on Twitter last night. After this after this matchup went down. Was the fact that I mean. I'm not going to get ahead of myself. I'm not going to jump to conclusions. But WWE in the last few weeks. Has done a very nice job. Of making the mid card mean something again. Whether it's for the long term. Just for the short term. I have no idea. If I had to put my money on it, it would probably be just for the short term. I mean, that's what WWE always does. They get her hopes up, and then it goes back to meaning nothing. But um, you've got Cesaro versus Sheamus right now, which is a very good feud. They've been building that well. They're going to have great matches. They had a great match on Raw last week. They're going to have a great match on Sunday for the U.S. Championship. And then you have Bad News Barrett versus RVD. They had a nice matchup about a month ago in the finals of the IC Championship Tournament. Um, they should have a good matchup at Payback as well. RVD, in my opinion, a lot of people have been saying, oh, he should retire, he serves no purpose. Some people just don't care at all. But, I mean, a lot of those same people were the ones who were begging for him to come back about a year ago 
when he had just left TNA, was on the verge of signing with the WWE, and he, ne- and he eventually did in uh, June of 2013 was when his return was announced to the WWE Universe, the payback pay-per-view, coincidentally enough. But um, RVD, in my opinion, I wrote a Facebook po- I wrote a Facebook post about this last week. But I think he has definitely served his purpose in WWE since his return. I think his second stint in the WWE has been better than his first. And I mean, I'm talking about from last <clears throat> from last year to this year. He had a decent feud with Del Rio last year, but it did, aside from that, they didn't really use him for all that much. They had him feud for that World Heavyweight title, like I said before, with Del Rio. But before that, he had a one-off match with Dean Ambrose for the U.S. Championship. He had that good matchup with Jericho, but aside from that, they didn't really use him at all. He had a brief feud with Orton, which didn't really go anywhere. So that aside, though, they didn't really use RVD all that much for anything. And even this feud with Del Rio was kind of a stinker because him and Ricardo, um, Del, uh, RVD and Ricardo was like one of the worst pairings they've done in a long time. That made no sense. But um, even still, though, I think this time around they've been really using him, him well. RVD has had some good matches since he came back with Bad News Barrett, with Cesaro, with a number of others. He's gonna have a, he's had good title matches. He's going to be going for the Intercontinental Championship on Sunday. He's over. Like I said, he has good matches, and he's not hogging the spotlight. He's putting young guys over in terms of Cesaro, RVD, a number of others since he came back about a month ago. So... That being said, though, I'm looking forward to this feud. It's been a good feud between him and Barrett um, going into Sunday. And RVD, I think, has uh, definitely proved his worth since he came back to the WWE last month, the night after WrestleMania. So um, I, I continue to look forward to see what he will bring to the table and as his WWE tenure continues. I believe he'll be around for another few more months, but I could be wrong. But even still, I've been liking RVD's return. Maybe that's just me, but I think he's had a, he's definitely had a place in the WWE this time around as opposed to last time. And I think it has worked out for the better in RVD's case. Um, so up next, we had Eva Marie versus Summer Rae. Kind of a shitty matchup, to be quite honest with you. Um, it thankfully, only lasted a few minutes. The main talking point here was how Fandango and Layla cost Summer Rae the matchup by interrupting, by coming down and interfering for her match, by having the music go off. Fandango's entrance music go out, that is. But um, this whole feud between Summer and Fandango, I mean, I said this last week, but I mean, I'm not dreading it, but I'm not loving it either. The, o- the only thing that really concerns me is that who are we really supposed to be cheering in this supposable feud? Is Summer Rae the babyface? And I hope she's not, because she faced Eva Marie here, and they have issues on Total Divas and all that kind of stuff, and Eva Marie was supposed to be the babyface. I don't really know. But, um, and then Fandango's obviously a heel, so is Layla for that matter, so I don't know, like I said last week, if they bring back The Miz, and do the whole Miz and Summer Rae uh, pairing to feud with Fandango and Layla, honestly, I couldn't care less, even though I am a fan of The Miz, but, I don't know, it's just really confusing right now, I'm not really sure what they're going to be doing with that feud, but... That aside, though, the matchup was terrible. Really nothing to talk about here aside from that. So up next, we had El Torito versus Drew McIntyre. Pretty much a comedy contest. Um, The only real thing of discussion here was the fact that Drew McIntyre has fallen a long, long way since his days as Intercontinental Champion, since his days as the Chosen One back in 2009-2010. It's just really a shame. I noted this on Twitter during the show, during Raw, but I think... If they built a Drew McIntyre breaking away from 3MB, possibly as a babyface, I think the pop that he could receive, and maybe he gets no reaction at all, but the reaction he could receive and just everything, this breaking away from 3MB could be worth the wait. 
for his whole stint in 3MB for the year and a half it's been going on for, which is a hell of a long time, and it doesn't even feel like that long. But, um, yeah, 3MB has been together since late 2012. Drew McIntyre is still out of place in that stable, as is Jinder Mahal. Heath Slater is the only one that really makes sense, and he's been doing his role. He's been flourishing in the 3MB role, but even he, I think, deserves better. But um, that being said, though, I think McIntyre should be breaking away from 3MB at some point. I would love him to. I don't see it happening, to be honest with you. I think they could put Hawkins in that role instead. I think he makes more sense in that stable than Drew McIntyre does. I mean, I commend McIntyre for making the most of it. He obviously seems into it whenever he's doing promos and during his matches and stuff like that. But losing Torito is just a joke. And then also on Sunday, we've had confirmed El Torito versus Hornswoggle in a mask versus hair match. I'll discuss that when I get to my payback predictions. And after this matchup, they just had El Torito get his tail ripped off and pretend they had to have surgery afterwards. It was just really stupid, and I really hope payback is the end of the line for this feud because I really can't take it any longer. So up next, we had John Cena saving Jerry Lawler from the Wyatt family. Pretty strong segment here. I thought the Wyatt family was pretty... Um, was pretty great here. Bray Wyatt cut another very good promo. Even Luke Harper and Eric Rowan look like villains for once by going after the commentators. A very vicious attack on JBL at ringside, um, who eventually returned as Jerry Lawler. There was a part of me that kind of wanted Jerry Lawler to get attacked so he wouldn't be on commentary for the rest of the night. I know that's terrible of me, but um, that's uh, that's just my two cents. But um, even so, I really like the segment and the between Cena and Wyatt and the commentators. It made Cena look like a babyface and Wyatt look like the heel for almost attacking a 60-something-year-old man and Jerry Lawler. But the only issue is that the segments have been strong. Very, very strong. Don't get me wrong. Um, not to rhyme there, but this whole feud between Cena and Wyatt has been going on since, I think, January. And all the segments, all the promos have been relatively good to great to awesome. It's just the matches that have not been good. The WrestleMania match, in my opinion, was it was decent. It was good. Not as, not as good as I expected it to be or not as good as it should have been because the story there just wasn't told correctly. Um, and then their Extreme Rules matchup was a complete clusterfuck because they had so much interference from the Wyatt family and they made Bray Wyatt look weak as hell. And then Cena... I, I know Bray Wyatt had to win. I know he won that matchup, but he looked just so weak in victory that it didn't mean anything. So the matches are 0 for 2 right now, have not been good. Hopefully their last man standing match, which is not the best stipulation in WWE history. Hopefully it's better than expected, and um, hopefully that is the line, the end of the line for this feud. Up next we had Rusev come out, interrupt, and destroy a USA flag, you know, throwing around the flag and whatever, Zack Ryder. Um, so that was a brief squash match. Big E came down to make the save. Maybe this sets up a Big E versus Rusev matchup for Payback. I mean, that has yet to be confirmed as I record this. I wouldn't mind it. I mean, they haven't really done much with Big E since he dropped the IC Championship. I know that was a month ago, but I think Big E has potential. I know he would be eventually squashed by Rusev. That makes sense. But for Rusev to pick up a win over Big E would mean something since Big E was Intercontinental Champion for a number of months. Um, last year, going into this year, for about five months, he was Intercontinental Champion. So, if he was to defeat Big E, it would be a nice, credible win for Rusev. I'm not down on the gimmick. I don't love the gimmick. He's getting good heat. He's good in the ring. He has a great mouthpiece in Lana. He's got all the tools to become something big in the WWE if he's booked correctly and not thrown into a top feud with, uh, with John Cena anytime soon, which I fear they might do, but uh, let's hope not. But, um, yeah, they're making... the Rusev is doing well on the roster. Really nothing to note here with this feud with Big E, but 
Um, it could be something decent if they work to a match between the two, either a payback, Money in the Bank, next week's Raw maybe, I don't know. But um, we'll just have to wait and see, but I like the feud between Rusev and Big E. It gives both guys um, something to do right now. And it also continues the racist Rusev gimmick that um, he's been having going on for the last number of weeks. So moving on to the Randy Orton and Batista versus Cody Rhodes and Goldust matchup. A good matchup, really nothing of note aside from the finish with Randy Orton hitting a very sweet-looking RKO on Cody Rhodes for the victory. Um, it was therefore afterwards announced by Justin Roberts that that had been an elimination contest. Now the next matchup would pit Randy Orton and Batista against Goldust in a no-holds-barred handicap matchup. So that matchup, um, it, it was pretty much a one-sided contest for the most part, which was pretty obvious going into it. They needed to put heat on the heels in Evolution. They have hardly gotten any momentum in this feud with the Shield, which is surprising. You would think it'd be the opposite. But um, Evolution needed their heat back. This was effective in doing just that. Orton and Batista looked like vicious heels for once. And I thought it was funny because on Twitter I noted on, uh, on, on Saturday that Randy Orton, and this is outright pathetic, and I know wins and losses don't mean anything anymore, but... Randy Orton had not won a matchup since his WWE World Heavyweight title defense at the Elimination Chamber pay-per-view four months ago. Absolutely ridiculous. And then he hadn't won a singles matchup since his matchup with SmackDown, um, his matchup with Christian on an episode of SmackDown in early February. So he hasn't won any matches since four months ago, which is crazy to think that this is Randy Orton we're talking about. But he finally won a matchup last night on Raw against Cody Rhodes and Goldust. So, um, I, I don't think this is a burial of Cody Rhodes and Goldust. I can go on a massive rant as to why they're not being used better. But I have tied. I have uh, definitely uh, tried to minimize my ranting on these two in the last couple of weeks because it does appear they're doing something with them in an imminent Cody Rhodes heel turn, and whether that leads to something next week or I'm not really sure. But Cody Rhodes is a heel. I would like him better as a babyface, to be quite honest with you. But um, that being said, I look forward to what they do with Goldust and Cody Rhodes. Hopefully it does lead to a feud between the two. I've been anticipating that for a long, long time. It should have come at WrestleMania, but even if it doesn't, if hopefully we get it at the SummerSlam pay-per-view. I don't know if they drag it out that long, but it would be pretty cool to see it go down at SummerSlam. It would be a great feud to do right before Goldust um, leaves the WWE after his contract expires. So I look forward to that. And I don't think it's a burial of Cody Rhodes at all, as, at all, at all like I said before. Um, I got an email last night from someone saying that Cody Rhodes has been losing so much because he's being buried. I don't believe that for a second. If anything, it's building a nice story between him and Goldust, and uh, Cody Rhodes and Goldust, that is, for somewhere down the line. If you want to look up buried, just look at Dolph Ziggler and or Damian Sando. Those are two guys that I believe are definitely been buried in the last number of months, in the last year or so. But um, even still, we move on to Bo Dallas. Okay, so Bo Dallas made his debut on SmackDown last week, defeating Sin Cara. Pretty much the same shtick here. Another win over Sin Cara on this show. The matchup was pretty fine for what it was. Really nothing of note there. Uh, as, as In terms of my thoughts on Sin Cara, I'm, I'm not on Sin Cara, I'm sorry, Bo Dallas, I think he's been, uh, his, his debut, his last two debuts on SmackDown and Raw, have been pretty good, in my opinion. I think the only issue they might run into, and I mean, I hear Adam Rose complainers um, all the time talk about, oh, they don't know whether to cheer this guy, they don't know whether to boo this guy. Adam Rose, I think it should be pretty academic that you cheer for him based off his entrance and his whole gimmick and whatever. 
Bo Dallas is a little bit more confusing because his gimmick is supposed to be motivational. I mean, those that have watched NXT know what I'm talking about. But um, it's supposed to be inspirational, motivational, where he gives uh, life lessons and stuff like that. But he's supposed to come off as so corny that he's supposed to get booed. And the only issue is that the reason he became a heel in the first place down in NXT was because people got so sick of him as a babyface that he turned heel. So, with that in mind, this whole uh, this whole um, mindset that he's supposed to be a heel might not transfer well with the current WWE audience that was not exposed to him down in NXT because they don't know whether to cheer him or boo him. Because he, on paper, he looks like he could be a face persona. The only thing that I can think would get him booed is if he continues to be over the top, which he was last night on Raw, but he has to do more of that to really garner the boos from the audience. It's, it's going to take some time, but he'll get that heel reaction in due time. Um, and also facing fan-favorite opponents. I don't know if Sin Cara is that guy, but um, Sin Cara gets a better reaction than most of the jobbers today, so I guess he was a nice fit to have Bo Dallas face in his debut. But those are my two thoughts. Those are my two cents on Bo Dallas. Um, not a huge Bo Dallas fan, but I will admit that I am a Bo Lever, and he is entertaining as a heel, so I look forward to what he brings to the table in weeks ahead. So also on the show, we had the decision made of Daniel Bryan's WWE World Heavyweight Championship after he underwent surgery a number of weeks ago. Um, he Stephanie McMahon brought him out and asked him to, quote-unquote, do the right thing. Daniel Bryan refused, and Stephanie McMahon alter, offered an ultimatum to Daniel Bryan saying that, Show up at the Payback pay-per-view and surrender the WWE World Heavyweight Championship or your wife Brie Bella will be fired. And I guess it stems off of an attack or after Bro, uh, Brie Bella, Bro Bella, Brie Bella um, put her hands on Stephanie McMahon a number of weeks ago on Raw, so this was her consequence for that. Personally, I don't think that people have enough of a connection with Brie Bella, have enough incentive to cheer her. I know she's associated with Daniel Bryan and she's been a babyface for a while now, but... She's just not over enough to the point where people really care if she's fired. And I mean that in a very honest, brute way. I mean, people I don't think will care if she gets fired. And they'd more rather see Daniel Bryan not surrender the WWE World Heavyweight title. So in their minds, in my mind, it's a win-win for those people that don't like Brie Bella and want to see Daniel Bryan keep the WWE World Heavyweight title. So the segment was solid in that sense. It also built... Um, intrigue for the payback pay-per-view would also confirm that Daniel Bryan will indeed be there, so that's something to look forward to. But um, that being said, though, I don't know what they'll do with that. I'll get to my thoughts on that in a little bit as to what they'll do with Bryan and Brie Bella and Stephanie in the WWE World Heavyweight title, but it does create intrigue for the pay-per-view on Sunday, so there's that. Um, we had Emma defeat Alicia Fox. Alicia Fox dominated Emma for most of the matchup. Emma wins via an upset. Um, Alicia Fox goes crazy again. She didn't get much heat, but this was not the best crowd in recent weeks, so, um, especially after the hot England crowd last week, I mean, that's for sure. So it's a huge comparison between those two, huge night and day. But, um, even still, though, I think Alicia Fox has brought more intrigue and more interest to the Divas division than in a long, long time, um, with her new crazy gimmick, and she will be contending for the Divas championship on Sunday against Paige at Payback. The only issue that I really had um, with this whole segment here was the fact that Alicia Fox lost. And I mean, she could have easily won the matchup and still gone crazy afterwards. I don't think she has to necessarily lose because she won last week against Paige and went crazy anyway. 
So, I don't know. I think she still could have won here and built more momentum towards her Divas title match at Payback. And another thing that bothered me about this segment was the fact that Paige, where the hell was Paige? I mean, she's supposed to be the, the top babyface right now in the Divas division. Maybe it's just in who she is. I mean, she's the anti-Diva after all, but Alicia Fox tirade, which felt like it dragged down a little bit, it went on forever, and it went on for a, what felt like 5-10 minutes, and Paige was nowhere to be seen. She didn't even bother to come out and save her best friend, Emma, who was supposed to be a best friend after that was established a number of months ago, but I thought that was a little weird, but even still, I am a little interested in this feud between Fox and Paige going into payback. So another segment we had on the show, Adam Rose made his in-ring debut against Davey Crockett, Damian Sandow. It's a bunch of bullshit. I mean, last week in the main event, they had Damian Sandow dress up as, uh, what was it, Sherlock Holmes in England, which was a bunch of BS. That was garbage. I don't even know what the fuck they're supposed to be doing with him right now. I mean, I don't know who he pissed off backstage, but in the last number of weeks, in the last number of months, I mean, I guess since he... Uh, lost that matchup to John Cena for the world title back in October. He's been buried. I mean, I I don't use that term often, but Demian Sandow has been buried. There's really no other way to put it. Um, he's been losing a lot. He's got these shitty-ass gimmicks. And Someone mentioned me last night, he might be the new Charlie Haas, but with the, all the impersonations. Charlie Haas, I mean, as talented as he was, he was never supposed to be a mid-card, top-level guy like Damian Sandow should have been last year when he won the Money in the Bank briefcase. Damian Sandow showed in his feud with Sheamus and matches with John Cena and Randy Orton. Sheamus, like I said before, with all those matches against those top-level guys, he proved that he deserves a top spot on the roster. But with all these shitty gimmicks, people just have no incentive to care about him right now. And after he did that whole rant in the WWE app last week about being the new voice of the voiceless, or maybe it was two weeks ago, he went straight back to being these, uh, to having these shitty gimmicks, but I don't know. So that was that. Adam Rose made his in-ring debut, won the matchup, furthered his feud with Jack Swagger. That's another matchup that is not confirmed for payback as of now. Might be a last-minute addition or whatever else, but there is that feud happening right now. And um, the fans weren't really into the matchup, or Adam Rose, from what I heard, they were into Adam Rose, but uh, the matchup itself they didn't really care about, so there was that. But they probably should have just saved his in-ring debut for payback. I know they were, that was the plan initially, but maybe they just ran out of things to do with Adam Rose, so they just threw him in the ring on the show, but whatever else. Um, going into the next matchup, Sheamus versus Del Rio. Good matchup. Del Rio looks a little out of shape, he looks pale, he doesn't give a shit anymore, I don't blame him, his contract hopefully expires in the next few months and he can get the fuck out of there, um, there's really nothing left, left for him to do, I mean, he won the world title, he won the WWE title, he hasn't, he has yet to win a mid-card championship or a tag team title, but, I don't know, WWE has just not been utilizing him well since he, uh, lost the world championship to John Cena last October, but, um, anyway, so that was a good matchup, Cesaro beat up Sheamus after the matchup, Sheamus, or Cesaro looking more and more like a heel in recent weeks, which is great. And, um, yeah, I think that's a good feud, like I said before, Sheamus and Cesaro for the U.S. Championship on Sunday for or at Payback for the Star-Spangled Prize, so that should be a good matchup. Good attack from Cesaro to put more heat on him going into their upcoming matchup. And then in the main event, the final segment on the show, the Shield and Evolution in a contract signing for their elimination, no-holds-barred matchup at Payback. I thought it was a very good segment. The crowd was not as receptive to it. Maybe they were mic'd poorly. I don't know. 
But um, I don't know. On this show, they just were not all that electric. I mean, everything else I can understand being a little flat for, but this segment I thought they should have been a little more alive for, so to speak. Um, I thought it was a good segment. I, it left me a little bit confused because Dean Ambrose and or Triple H had said, said at one point that um, if the other team were to lose, it'd be disbanded or... I'm not really sure. That was never confirmed that the loser, um, the losing team has to disband. Um, that, was, that was a little weird. That confused me a little bit. But um, anyway, I, this whole segment overall I thought was really good. It was another brawl. We've seen enough brawls between these two factions in the last month and a half that it's gotten old to some people. I still think it's entertaining. It was a nice final hype, final boost for their matchup at Payback on Sunday, which should be great like their Extreme Rules matchup was earlier this month. So, um, yeah, that was Raw in a nutshell. I thought it was a, I, I thought it was a decent show. I didn't think it was all that bad. The crowd was not great, especially, um, you know, in contrast to the England crowd last week. But, you know, the main goal of this show was not to entertain the viewers. It was to promote payback on Sunday. And, you know, as a go-home show, that was the main goal of this show, was to, you know, deliver that final push going into the event on Sunday. And I think they did that nicely. All the matches on the show which are currently advertised to take place, were furthered nicely, as are the matchups that are unconfirmed, like Biggie and Rusev, like Adam Rose and uh, Jack Swagger, which could also happen on Sunday. So even those feuds were furthered on the show. So overall, I thought it was a success and getting me personally excited for Payback, as well as other viewers as well. So that's Raw in the nutshell. I'll get to my Payback predictions a little later in the show. But um, I just want to give my NXT TakeOver predictions for this Thursday, live on the WWE Network. It's a two-hour special, um, much like Arrival was. There's going to be a pre-show. There's going to be a post-show with Christian and Paul Heyman and Renee Young. Arrival, I thought, was awesome, and I'm, I also have high hopes for this show as well, so it should deliver. Currently on the card, we have five matches on the uh, on the card as of now. We have Adam Rose versus Camacho. They had a matchup last week on NXT. Camacho got himself counted out. So they're having a rematch on the show. Adam Rose is my pick. It's very easy to go with him. He's currently on the main roster. Um, they should not have him lose here. That would make no sense. So Adam Rose goes over. Hopefully that's the end of that feud. I couldn't care less about Camacho, to be honest with you. Um, Sami Zayn versus Tyler Breeze in a number one contenders match for the NXT Championship. Of all the matches that are currently advertised for the show, this is definitely the most unpredictable of them all. It could go either way. Both are great. I'd be fine with whoever wins. But um, I've got Adrian Neville in the main event. I'll go, you know, I'll get to that in a minute, of course. But um, that's my pick for that for that matchup. So the winner of this matchup contend for the NXT title against Adrian Neville. Um, Sami Zayn, he's been kind of in the title hunt, kind of not been for the last number of months. Um, him and Tyler Breeze, or, or Tyler Breeze has been as well. He's come a long way in the last few months and being a great in-ring competitor and involving his his character and being more aggressive. But um, even still, though, I think him and Zayn could have a great matchup at TakeOver either. It could go either way in terms of who wins and becomes the number one contender to the NXT Championship at, um, at a future time, at a, on a future show. But um, I guess I'd go with Tyler Breeze here. I think Sami Zayn will be NXT Champion before long. But Tyler Breeze, as of right now, I think is, you know, being a heel and all, I think he could have a more substantial feud with Adrian Neville over the NXT Championship. They've had good matches in the past, and I expect another series of great matches if they were to feud over the NXT Championship. So I've got Tyler Breeze going over there, the Ascension versus Kalisto and El Local. 
for the NXT Tag Team Championships. Um, I don't care if a bunch of jobbers beat Ascension for the Tag Team titles. I mean, I like the Ascension, but they've done it next to nothing as Tag Team Champions since they won the titles last year. I think it was last summer or last August, last September, whatever it was. But um, they've defended the titles maybe two or three times. I know they had that one feud with Hunico and Camacho at one point. They had that brief, very brief feud with uh, Sami Zayn and Corey Graves, or Corey Graves and Adrian Neville, I should say. So there was that late last year. And um, I don't know, the NXT Tag Team Division, NXT needs some help. They have El Ocal and El Calisto, or Calisto and El Ocal. They have those other two guys, Ty Dillinger and uh, whatever, Jason Jordan. They had, they had a one-off appearance, and they haven't appeared yet. I think they had maybe two matches, I don't know. But um, I'm just going with Calisto and El Ocal. El Ocal. Hopefully we get the, El, uh, the Ascension on the main roster at some point. I think they could flourish in the main roster. Whether the gimmick gets over or not, I think it's beyond me, but I think they could have a nice feud with the Usos, who, knew, who need a new pair of opponents right now. So, um, you know, just bring up the Ascension within the next few months. Um, give the titles to Kalisto, who I'm a very big fan of. I think he could flourish in the WWE. Um, I, I've been liking what I've been seeing from him in the last few weeks. El Local is obviously Ricardo Rodriguez. They're not going to be using him on the main roster, so might as well put him in NXT under a mask. So, yeah, I've got Kalisto and El Local here for the NXT Tag Team titles. Just... Get rid of the, get the titles off the Ascension because they, uh, I mean, they were over with the audience, but it is a smirky crowd after all. But um, yeah, they, they've served their purpose as NXT Tag Team Champions. Get the straps off them and put them on Kalisto and El Local. So next matchup on this show, the second of three championship matches at Takeover: um, Charlotte versus Natalia for the vacant NXT Women's Championship. Um, as far as this matchup goes, obviously Charlotte. Natalia has appeared in NXT numerous, countless times um, since late last year, and um, she does not feel special anymore. But um, the real talking point of this match, I mean, Charlotte goes over. That's my official pick. But Ric Flair will be in the corner of Charlotte, and Bret Hart will be in the corner of Natalia. So that should be interesting. But um, even still, though, it should be a good matchup. And Natalia, I think, beat Charlotte a couple of weeks ago in NXT. So with that in mind... Um, she gets her win back over Natalia here, new NXT Women's Champion. She's improved. She's still very green, but she has improved in the last number of months since she initially made her debut, I think, last summer. But um, even still, Charlotte, I think, if they build the division around her, around her and she continues to improve and they break her and Sasha Banks up and they do a feud between those two over the NXT Women's Championship, it could be good. But, yeah, Charlotte is my pick here, new NXT Women's Champion. Well, it will be the other way, but Charlotte, your new champion. In the main event, Adrian Neville versus Tyson Kidd for the NXT Championship. Um, obviously, Adrian Neville. Tyson Kidd and Adrian Neville have had a good feud in the last number of weeks. Could have a great match on Thursday for the NXT title. Both guys have improved their mic work, um, especially given their last segment on NXT. Their last On the previous edition of NXT, they had a very good matchup, a very good uh, verbal uh, battle on the mic. So I thought that was good. But uh, the matchup itself should be very, very good. I'm looking forward to it. Adrian Neville retains the NXT Championship. So from there, I transition into my brief review of ROH New Japan Pro Wrestling War of the Worlds. So here's my thing with Ring of Honor. I really have not watched Ring of Honor at all since I initially became a wrestling fan in April of 2008. I've only watched the WWE and TNA. I've been suggested to Ring of Honor on a number of occasions 
in the last number of years. I just never had the time to check it out until now, now that I'm off um, I'm out of school for the summer, uh, for the next night. I think until after Labor Day, which is pretty awesome. I have over three months at home, which is pretty cool. I have over three months off. But um, I have not watched ROH at all until just last week. I was able to find time last week after I got home from college. It was literally almost one of the first things I did was watch this show. I had heard rave reviews about it on um, from a number of people, from fans on Twitter, from reports, from people that were there. I heard it was a great show, so I decided to check it out last week. And I was very impressed for my first ROH show and for my first New Japan Pro Wrestling show, for that matter. I thought it was very, very good. The crowd was great. Um, the I think it was taking place. It took place in the Hammerstein Ballroom in the New, in New York City. Um, it was a great show overall. A lot of great wrestling, and a lot of people, you know, they, they you know they got to come some slack. But the storylines, from what I heard, are not all that great in in Ring of Honor. But um, you know, from what I saw on the show, they're really not that bad at all. They had some storylines, and coming from someone who has yet to see any of the build up going into the show or any of the aftermath. I thought it was a very, very good show. The six-man tag team matchup kicking off the show, ACH, Matt Taven, and Tommaso Campa defeating the Forever Hooligans. A nice matchup to kick off the show. Matt Taven I've been exposed to for a number of years now. I said this in my indie wrestling video, but Matt Taven was one of the first ever wrestlers that I saw wrestle live at a, new, at a Northeast wrestling event here in the Connecticut area. Um, I think I saw him wrestle Romeo Roselli. Um, one former half of the heartthrobs in the WWE. But, um, yeah, that was, this was a very good match at Matt Taven. I'm a huge fan of. I liked his performance here. liked that he picked up the win for his team. Um, the next matchup saw the Decade take on the world-class tag team. I thought it was a good matchup. Um, the Decade, and I'll mention this as well. What I like about Ring of Honor, which I think I knew before, but I thought it was only a one-off thing. I didn't know they did it for every match, was the Code of Honor. And how they shake each other's hands before the matchup. I thought that's. I, I think that's very unique. I think it's awesome. Um, you know, it shows respect between the two individuals, despite the fact they might hate each other. And the fact the decade does not do that, and it makes them those that much bigger of heels because they don't shake the hands of their opponents. So I think it's very, very cool. It puts more heat on them. The fact they even do the Code of Honor in the first place, and I'm talking about Ring of Honor overall here, is very cool, and I love the idea of it. This is a good tag team matchup. Um, Lethal and Kushida for the ROH World, World Television Championship. Um, another interesting matchup. I've never seen Jay Lethal work heel before. Um, I've seen him work in TNA for a number of years before he left the company, I think 2010 or 2011. Um, I was always a fan of Jay Lethal as Black Machismo. Not doing that gimmick in ROH, I see, unless I missed something here. He didn't really play that up at all. And I think from what the commentators were saying during this matchup, and by the way, the commentary during the show was very good, uh, much better than a lot of the shit I hear on Raw and Impact every week. It's not bad, but I mean, this commentary was much more straightforward, and they don't have a lot to say. I mean, in terms of, like, they don't have a lot of shit to promote, like, in terms of their fucking app and the network and stuff like that, but, um, even still, though, the commentary on the show I thought was very solid and good, but, um, back to the original point, the commentators didn't really mention at any point, or, or did mention at some point, that Jay Lethal had just recently turned heel. I mean, they didn't say they turned heel, but they were talking about his heel turn. And um, from what it sounded like, it had just happened just recently, so this might be a new, relatively, a, a relatively new thing. And this manager, uh, whose name, I, who escapes me right now, um, he was pretty good in his role, too. He got ejected from ringside. That was pretty cool. So this matchup was good for what it was. Nothing memorable all that much, but it was a good matchup. Jay Lethal retained his title. The Bullet Club... 
Um, I, Jesus Christ. I can't remember the, one of the guys' names, but I know one of them was Doc Gallows, Luke Gallows, and Doc, respectively, from WWE and TNA, um, defeating the Briscoe Brothers, who I was exposed to in the past. I remember seeing them. Uh, I, I remember seeing a few promos from them. Last year, I think, I, I knew who they were. I knew who they are. I know who they are. Um, a very good matchup in these two teams. Probably not as great as it should have been, given the hype between both teams and how over both these guys, both teams are. But um, the Briscoe brothers are just batshit crazy. That's their whole gimmick. They're just fucking insane. Very good wrestlers. Over with the crowd. Good matchup. Um, the Briscoe brothers shake the hands of the Bullet Club, and the Bullet Club retain or shake their hands afterwards, and the Bullet Club retains the IWGP Tag Team Championship. So, a good tag team matchup from both tandems there. Uh, Nakamura defeating Kevin Steen in a very, very good matchup. The match of the night up to this point. Kevin Steen, um, I, I know who he is. I've seen him work before. I remember hearing, um, you know, when, when he won the ROH Championship at one point, not too long ago, I don't think, unless I'm mistaken. Um, I remember hearing about that. Kevin Steen, I've heard a lot about. Seeing him work for the first time was very cool. My favorite wrestler that I saw on the show, his whole gimmick, his outspoken thing, his promo afterwards was very good. The brawl that he have, had afterwards with um, whatever his name is, I forgot what it was, I didn't write it down. But that was a good brawl. I guess there was some speculation that this could be his last matchup, and it sounded like it based off his uh, post-match promo. But um, based off the brawl that he had afterwards, who... Uh, the guy who interrupted his promo and then subsequently brawled with him. It looks like he won't be leaving too soon after all. And Kevin Steen, it's funny, now that I just get into ROH and see him for the first time become a fan of him, he might be off to the WWE under a developmental contract. So only time will tell in terms of how that goes. But um, yeah, very good matchup from Steen and Nakamura. Uh, the match of the night up to this point. Tanahashi defeating Michael Bennett. Another very good matchup. Michael Bennett, I am. Um, I have been exposed to in the past at Northeast Wrestling events that I've been to here in the in the Connecticut area. So I thought this is a good matchup. From what I heard, some people thought it might be better, but I don't know, I thought it was good. The best matchup of the night by far, which was terrific, the tag team title match for the ROH Tag Team Championships, Red Dragon versus the Young Bucks. The Young Bucks, I remember from TNA as Generation Me, was not a huge fan of them then. Uh, then. I remember them and their feud with the Motor City Machine Guns, and then w or TNA didn't use them um, well after that at all. Uh, af after that, they didn't really use them at much at all on, on the TNA Impact Wrestling roster. Um, they were heel for a while. They were singles competitors. I just, I don't know, I just could not get into them at all. But um, that aside, though, I thought this matchup was terrific, and um, a lot of fast-paced action. They reminded me a lot of the... Uh, uh, of Michael, of Marty Gennetti and Shawn Michaels. Um, what the fuck is their tag team name? Really escaping me right now. I can't remember what their tag team name was. But um, yeah, it reminded me a lot of Marty Gennetti and Shawn Michaels. Um, they're just their style and everything that they stand for and stuff like that. Even their look reminds me a lot of Shawn Michaels and Marty Gennetti. The, the Rockers, I'm sorry. I don't know how the, fu how the fuck I forgot about that. But um, yeah, they had a very, very good matchup here. A lot of great action. Now, really enjoyed this matchup. The Young Bucks lost the matchup and their ROH World Championships, but the matchup was just so insane that I forgave that. Um, the crowd was electric for this contest. Like I said, the match of the night. Adam Cole taking on Justin Liger for the ROH World Championship. Probably botched the, pronounce, uh, the, uh, uh, the enunciation of that, but nevertheless... Great matchup. Liger is, I think, over 50 years old. He used to wrestle in WCW. 
Um, still very much over with the crowd. Still wrestles like he's in his 30s. I think that was great. Um, considering what he's capable of. And um, I thought this was a very good showing from him, Adam Cole. I have seen on the past, I've seen him in videos with Matt Hardy because I guess they have an alliance going on. But um, even still, though, I, I think right now um, Adam Cole right, is being a good world champion. He, he had a very good matchup here, went over clean, which is something rare for the, uh, for the ROH world champion, I guess, for Adam Cole, for heels nowadays in general. But um, Adam Cole, I like. He had a good showing here. We would not be the last time that we would see him on this show, but he had a good showing here. Um, and then that brought us to the main event between AJ Styles, Okada, the former IWGP heavyweight champion, and Michael Elgin in a three-way for the championship in a great matchup. AJ Styles was my favorite wrestler in TNA, so he was kind of one of the leading factors as to why I checked out ROH in the first place, because I know he was there and he jumped ship there earlier this year. But um, he's been having a great run there as, as the IWGP champion. Now that the two companies are doing some cross-promotion, um, a great three-way here, a lot of great action. AJ Styles retains. Afterwards, Adam Cole comes out. and uh, When he first attacked AJ Styles, I figured they might do a, uh, a title unification matchup between the two, but I guess not because he, attacked, uh, he also attacked Michael Elgin and Okada as well. I guess he just didn't want to be overshadowed because he wasn't in the main event, and he should have been because he's the ROH World Champion, and all the yada, 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 all that kind of stuff. But um, a good way to, clo to close out the show... But um, it would not be the last thing that we see on the show because we also got a video package for Christopher Daniels, who his contract expired with TNA just a few short weeks ago, as did Kazarian's. Um, he said that he would not be coming alone. He was standing beside someone who was, uh, whose face was censored out. I believe it was Kazarian. That was pretty obvious. Bad influence coming to TNA, which I'm very excited for. TNA made a big mistake in not resigning this entertaining duo. But um, I look forward to seeing them in Ring of Honor. But uh, overall, I love this show. It was a lot. It was a lot of great action, a lot of great wrestling, which ROH is known for. And a lot of people shit on the storylines they have in ROH and their production value. But on this show for this pay per view, I thought it was great. Um, the production value did not bother me at all. There was some minor glitches. They had an intermission at one point, which is kind of weird. That was a little strange. But that aside, though, the action itself was definitely going out of your way to see. Um, it entertained me enough to the point where I will continue to check out ROH and everything else they have coming out in coming months, their next pay-per-view, the best in the world pay-per-view, I look forward to that. Um, a lot of great stuff, and I look forward to what else they might do with, um, with all these guys going forward, with all the entire ROH and IWGP, or I'm sorry, the Northeast, not Northeast, New Japan Pro Wrestling roster going forward, so I look forward to that. But, um, we transition from that to TNA. Now, it's completely like night and day to even compare these two. Because they go from watching this great, great show on Wednesday, Tuesday night, whatever it was, to going into this show presented by Tina Impact Wrestling, a complete shitstorm of, oh my god, I can't even go into, I can't even explain how bad this show was. And Impact is, in general has been pretty bad as of late. But this, this show, in just in general, is very, very bad. Um, not a lot of good matches, hardly any wrestling at all, and just so much fucking MVP and Bobby Lashley and Kenny King. It's just complete bullshit. These guys are in every fucking segment on the show, and it serves no purpose. And, I mean, I'm fine with the faction. I mean, that doesn't really bother me. But um, the fact that we're on this show five, six, seven times in backstage segments and promos and matches was complete bullshit and annoyed the hell out of me. It's complete overexposure. 
And um, the whole feud with Eric Young, I mean, I like that Austin Aries is being used right now, but I don't know. It's just not, it's not my cup of tea. I'm sorry. This, overall, this is a complete shitty show. I'm not even going to bother breaking it down because it was not the, um, the um, best episode of Impact. And um, I give myself physical pain had I, was, uh, had I reviewed this show for you right now. And I would not suggest to anyone to go out of their way to watch this show. Just a complete shitty show. Um, just the current direction of TNA, they need something new. Just not working right now. How they don't realize that is completely beyond me. But this show was just not good. Complete shit, complete piece of shit with what they have going on right now. I'm not enjoying it. But um, here's hoping they change their ways in coming weeks. Whatever, Whether it be whoever's writing this shit or... I don't know. I, I honestly cannot tell you. The fact that Dixie Carter is even still on TV bothers the fuck out of me. But um, yeah, that's Impact Wrestling. They just need need new direction. Um, they were doing terrific back in 2012 when they first went live every week, and they um, they had Hulk Hogan and Brooke Hogan running the show. That was a little weird. Um, was not my favorite time in TNA Impact Wrestling. But everything else about the product two years ago was fantastic. And you can even go back and check it out. I wrote an Impact. I wrote an uh, an article on Bleacher Report a number of years ago in the summer of 2012 where I said, "Go out of your way to watch TNA." Right now, it is significantly better than the WWE in terms of entertainment and all that kind of stuff. 2013, it had its highs and had its lows for TNA in the, in the last few months of the year. It was kind of crappy. Um, the summer was awesome. The first portion of the year was really nothing notable, but the summer was great. Here's hoping they can they light a fire under their ass for the summer for TNA going into the summer of 2014, but just this whole year for TNA is complete shit. Complete fucking shit. Hopefully they change their ways in the next few months. I certainly hope so, because I cannot bear to even watch this show. And I mean, I know I'm complaining I continue to watch it anyway, but I kind of have to, because I have to review this show on a weekly basis. So um, here's hoping they change their ways and uh, going forward. So that being said, I'll get into my payback predictions for this Sunday, live from Chicago, the second annual payback pay-per-view. Um, last year's payback pay-per-view was great. One of the best pay-per-views of 2013, so here's hoping this year's pay-per-view is just as good, if not better. Chicago crowd should be great. I know without a doubt we'll get CM Punk chance. I realize that, but, um, I, you know, it's Chicago, so I'll, you know, I'll get over it. But um, I, as big of a fan as I am of CM Punk, I really am annoyed by the CM Punk chance because I don't think people realize that it was his decision to leave. It was his decision to quit. He was the one who walked out in the WWE, and... Um, I he will be back when he's back. I mean, he's, I guess he's scheduled to get married. Um, schedule. He's, gonna be, he's engaged to get married to AJ Lee, of all people, actually, within um, the next few weeks in the month of June. So that's pretty exciting. I guess AJ Lee will be back after that's over. But um, CM Punk will be back at some point. I've been saying that for months now. He will be back at some point, whether it be you know six months down the line, a year from now, a number of years from now. All I know is that CM Punk will be back. They always come back. But um, anyway, so I'll get the, the two matches out of the way that I think will be added. Um, Rusev versus Big E, if that matchup happens, Rusev goes over easy, undefeated so far. He's not going to lose a match to Big E, of all people. Um, in the next unconfirmed matchup, which might happen, Adam Rose versus Jack Swagger. Easy, Adam Rose goes over. No reason to have him lose right now, especially to someone like Jack Swagger, who couldn't mean less right now, and it doesn't even matter anyway. I mean, he has potential, but... I don't know. The guy's a mid-carder for life, and this whole feud has been just really odd. Um, but here's hoping Adam Rose continues to get more over if he wrestles more on the main roster in coming weeks. So Adam Rose goes over there if that matchup happens. 
Um, on the pre-show, we have El Torito versus Hornswoggle in a mask versus hair matchup. And um, El Torito will have to lose a mask if he loses, and Hornswoggle will have to shave his head. It would not be the, if he loses, this would not be the first time that Hornswoggle would be bald. So I do not, um, I, that isn't out of the question at all. So I definitely have El Torito going over here again like he won at uh, Extreme Rules. I just really want this feud to end. I mean, it's been... The matchup was entertaining, so I'm not going to completely shit on this matchup. But you take out the TL... Or the WLC, I should say. You take out that aspect of it, then I really don't know what this matchup will come down to because their previous two matches were really nothing good. And I did not enjoy them at all. And the crowd didn't, couldn't care less about it. So we'll see how the Chicago crowd reacts on Sunday for this matchup. But um, yeah, easy El Torito goes over. If you unmask him, then he has no... Purpose in the stable with uh, Los Matadores um, in 3MB could um, live with a bald hornswoggle because he has been bald before. So, whatever. El Torito goes over here. I would have liked to see Adam Rose versus Jack Swagger or um, whatever the other match, Rusev versus Big E on the pre show. I think that could have served more of a purpose, but maybe those matches get added to the main card anyway. We'll have to wait and see. But right now, I couldn't really care less about this matchup. Uh, it should be good. I mean, it, like like we saw at Extreme Rules, never underestimate the little guys. But um, it should be a fun matchup. If it's not, whatever. But um, I've got El Torito going over here. So starting it off with the Divas Championship matchup. Now for the main card matches, Paige versus Alicia Fox for the Divas Championship. Um, Easy Paige goes over here. Just won the championship a little less than two months ago. So there's no reason to take the title off of her right now. Alicia Fox, I do commend her for her actions for getting herself noticed and getting herself more over with this new crazy girl gimmick that Trish Stratus, or I'm sorry, Mickey James made famous and AJ Lee made famous a number of years ago. But, um, so at least there is some interest in the matchup. It's not random like the, uh, I mean, Paige and Tamina Snuka, that was a good matchup, but the feud really wasn't there at all. They didn't build it at all. At least this somewhat makes sense with Alicia Fox going crazy. There is some interest there. And it's just basically a filler feud between AJ comes back, before AJ comes back in June or July or August. Hopefully AJ comes back for a title match with Paige at the SummerSlam pay-per-view, which could be tremendous. So I look forward to that when it eventually happens. But um, yeah, easy Paige goes over here. The matchup should be good. Cesaro versus uh, Sheamus for the United States Championship. Like their match on Raw a number of weeks ago. I'm looking forward to this matchup. Matchup should be great. I'm Great in-ring chemistry together. Um, I'd have to go with Sheamus going over here. Like with Paige, she just won the championship a little less than two months... Or he won the championship a little less than two months ago. Not even, a little less than a month ago. But, um... So, yeah, there's really no reason to take the title off of Sheamus this early. Sheamus will go over. Great matchup between these two, which should be a great matchup between these two. And um, Cesaro should um, have a good showing in defeat to the point where... I don't think he'll lose anything if he was to lose this matchup against Sheamus. So, yeah, Sheamus retains there the United States Championship. Bad News Barrett versus RVD for the Intercontinental Championship. Um, should be a good matchup, like I said before. I've been liking how the mid-card is being built back up in recent weeks. Whether that is going to be the long-term plan, I have no idea. But hopefully, um, you know, for right now, I'll enjoy it for what it is. But um, Bad News Barrett, like with Sheamus and Page, just won his championship less than a month ago. Really no reason to take the championship off of him right now. So Bad News Barrett will retain the Intercontinental Championship. RVD has um, no reason being the IC champion at this point in his career. So Bad News Barrett retains, and I've got some bad news if you thought RVD was going to win. 
Bad News Barrett retains. RV, like I said before, has been doing great since he came back, so I look forward to another good match from him on Sunday. John Cena versus Bray Wyatt, last man standing matchup. Um, I want Bray Wyatt to win, but John Cena will win based off what we saw in Raw this week, and I don't know, everything else we've had, what we've seen from Cena and Wyatt, I guess Cena will win the rubber match. Hopefully that's the be-all, end-all of this feud, and we can move on to greener pastures. Both guys can. Um, and we can move on to something bigger and better for both guys. The matchup should be okay. I mean, like I said, their last two matches were nothing great. Were actually pretty shitty for what it was. But um, hopefully the last man standing stipulation makes it better and you know helps the matchup and doesn't hinder it, doesn't take away from the action. Um, but I really want Bray Wyatt to win here. I don't see any reason why as to why John Cena should win. He probably will, but I see no reason why he should, but... My official prediction is John Cena, whether they, what they move him on to from here, I've been asked that a number of times. Um, I have no idea what they do with Bray Wyatt, but I could very well see John Cena moving into a feud with someone like a Cesaro um, going in for the summer. That could be pretty entertaining, so I look forward to that. But yeah, Cena goes over here. Um, in terms of the ultimatum going into the Payback pay-per-view, Daniel Bryan will um, be at the Payback pay-per-view, and if he does not surrender his WWE World Heavyweight Championship, his wife, Brie Bella, will be fired on the spot by Stephanie McMahon. So it's not a match per se, but it is a segment that we will be getting on the pay-per-view on Sunday. A lot of people probably won't care. Anyway, if Brie Bella was to be fired, I know I personally will not care if Brie Bella is fired. For uh, if Daniel Bryan ends up going that route and wants to retain his world championship. But um, yeah, Daniel Bryan, I don't think, will surrender the WWE World Heavyweight title. I think they'll probably keep the title on him. If they strip him of the title, then so be it. He'll probably be champion when he comes back anyway, but I really see no reason to. Um, I think they could, suffi- I think they could uh, wait a few months until Daniel Bryan is back 100% and healthy um, before they can strip him of the championship. So. I see Daniel Bryan, I guess they'll probably work a way around it where he keeps the championship and Brie Bella maybe keeps her job. Either way, I could not care less if she gets fired or not because no one gives two craps about Brie Bella to begin with. But um, anyway, so Daniel Bryan will stay World Heavyweight Champion. Chicago will go crazy for him. Um, then in the main event, we have Evolution versus The Shield in a no-holds-barred elimination matchup. Um, it was never really made clear on Raw this week. If the, if the losing team will have to disband, that was really never made clear. But um, that being said, though, I look forward to this matchup at Payback. Their Extreme Rules matchup was amazing. So their rematch at Extreme Rules should be nothing short of epic as well. Evolution going over here makes the most sense after The Shield won their first matchup at Extreme Rules. I don't know if they would continue this feud going into Payback um, or going into the Money in the Bank pay-per-view in late June to set up a rubber match. But um, I would have to say Evolution goes over here. The Shield goes over. All the power to them. But um, and like I said, it could go. It could very well go either way. But um, this matchup should be headline of the show with the world title matchup not taking place. But um, yeah, Evolution goes over here. Like I said, should be a great matchup. So overall, I'm looking forward to Payback on Sunday. Should be another great pay-per-view like it was last year in Chicago. And um, we got TakeOver on Thursday, Payback on Sunday, Monday Night Raw the next night, my birthday as well, so that should be pretty exciting. But all in all, a lot of great stuff coming up for the summer season in the WWE. ROH I'll be checking out as soon as their next show is up. TNA, um, if you watch TNA, have mercy on your soul. The last show was pretty terrible, so don't bother going out of your way to check out that. But the, uh, the next episode is up on Thursday, so 
definitely watch TakeOver instead of Impact. That's a foregone conclusion. But uh, nevertheless, that will wrap up today's edition of WrestleRant Radio for May 27, 2014. Now time for these shameless plugs. You guys can check out the official website, nextyearwrestling.weebly.com backslash archive for every episode of Next Era Wrestling. But of course, if you're listening to this episode on the website, then you probably already know where to find the episodes anyway. But anyway, dating um, it, it dates back to October of 2013. Every episode of WrestleRant Radio is up on the website, so make sure to check it out, including my exclusive interview with former WWE and TNA star Joe E. Legend, a.k.a. Just Joe. It is on the website as we speak for the May 20th episode, so make sure to check that out, nextyearwrestling.weebly.com. Um, Facebook is Graham GSM Matthews, YouTube, same thing, Bleacher Report, same thing, and Twitter is at Russell Rant. So make sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel as well for, uh, in-depth analysis of content I watch on the WWE Network, the hashtag AskGSM videos, clips of this show, and much, much more. So we'll be back next Tuesday with another edition of Russell Rant Radio. This is Graham GSM Matthews signing off, and until then, I will catch you guys down the road.